Welcome to Mirepoix Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Schubach. I'm a writer, theater maker, and food enthusiast, and I'm taking you on a journey through food, family, and culture via the lens of food practice and tradition. Our guest today is Taylor Bailey. Up first, a word from our sponsors. This is Mirepoix. Hi, Taylor. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, nice to be here. What a dream. What a, what a <laughs> internet miracle. I know. We, we haven't, this, this will, this will most certainly be the longest, like actual using our voices, seeing each other conversation that we've ever had. That's right. Because we mostly communicate via um, comments on Instagram. Yes. We, we have all of these, um, you know, friends in common and 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 workplaces in common, um, and zodiac, and uh, zodiac in common. <laughs> um, but we've we've never really been in the same place at the same time. Um, yeah. So this is this is great. What a dream! What a blessing! Yes. Um, so our first question: Who the heck are you? <laughs> uh, well, my name is Taylor Bailey. Um, I use he/him pronouns. Um, I live here in Chicago, and uh, yeah, I, I was born in in Texas, uh, but I I haven't been able to sit still um, mm-hmm. in forever. So I've lived all over the place, and this is Chicago is my my first place besides my home mm-hmm. uh, that I have returned to though. So oh yeah, yeah, I lived in Chicago for for five years and then left to go out to Oregon. I worked for the Oregon Shakespeare Festival for a little bit, and now I am back in Chicago. Um, awesome. I always knew I always knew I'd come back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like it got the Taylor stamp of approval. Yes. What a dream! What a dream! How long ago did you move to Chicago? So we moved back. Uh, so my partner Eric and I um, and our dog Naya, we moved here in the end of August of 2019. Okay. So we had a few months of Chicago yep. before everything shut down. <laughs> that yeah. Um I that's interesting. I moved back from California um the last day of June 2019. And that like little chunk of Chicago before the pandemic is a blur. Yes. Yeah, same for us. I mean, we were really just, you know, getting the apartment set up and yeah. You know, he, Eric, uh, was like getting, you know, into working and we were figuring things out and, you know, we just kept saying, okay, okay, for now, you know, we're not putting too much pressure on ourselves about being like out in the community and, and being out in the city as much. We're, we're just trying to nest and, you know, set up home and we'll have time for that. And then, uh, and then everything shut down. And so we didn't really, um, we just still feel like we aren't really here, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And um, Eric, especially, has never lived in Chicago, and so he got here just in time for a Chicago winter. Yeah. And then didn't get the reward of a Chicago summer last yeah. year, really. Yeah. So, so we're we're anxious for uh, more now. It seems yeah. like we're, yeah. you know, we're definitely opening up more, and now that we're both fully vaccinated, we're um, you know, being able to go places a little bit is yeah. 
really good. So I'm excited for sort of a, a redo of our of our first year here together. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I have I I didn't realize this until like we were sort of able to see a few more people recently. There are people I'm still seeing for the first time since I moved back. Like yeah. I'm still catching up of that, like, oh my gosh, wait, I live here. I, and but and you live here, but we haven't, you know. So that's been wild. Yes, absolutely. There are there are definitely people here who, you know, I kept saying, Oh yeah, we gotta get together now that I'm back in town. And yeah, and it just never happened. And now it's been, you know, it's almost been two years. So yeah, it's uh yeah, so wild. so strange. And this sounds heavy-handed, what I'm about to say, but there's I realize that was true for like restaurants too. That's the heavy-handed part because I'm bringing it back to food. But um, <laughs> there's restaurants I still haven't been back to since I moved. Back. Oh, yeah. Like things that I so totally miss from my time away. And like, but my world got so small during mm -hmm. the last year and a half that I'm like, oh, right. That place in Hyde Park, I got to go back. <laughs> yes, but I can't, I can't order delivery it'll be cold by the time right. it gets here from there right. Right. <laughs> you really end up being restricted to you know right. your places that's what i always am trying to to think when i'm looking at you know uber eats or yeah. grubhub or whatever it's like is this far is this so far away from our apartment that it's yes. going to be cold by the time it gets here yes. <laughs> that's just like the constant question <laughs> this it last is. year it is and sometimes you can't even guess really Truth. Truth. <laughs> well, let's dive in. Um, what do you usually say is your favorite food? I feel like this is probably the answer you get <laughs> from a lot of people, but it's pizza. It's yeah. absolutely <laughs> pizza. And I, I I do not discriminate when it comes to pizza. You 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 know, a beautiful deep dish sounds great to me. You want to put a little marinara on a you know on a ritz cracker and put some cheese on top of it cool that can be yeah. a pizza i'm i just any anything that is in pizza form yep. I'm, I'm happy about it do you have like a, a go-to though like if, if it was your birthday and it's pizza time like this would be yes. the one i mean so let's see i i'm very it's very interesting because i feel like i crave different kinds of pizzas at different mm -hmm. times mm -hmm. like sometimes all i want is Domino's. I just want oh. like a Domino's pizza, like the pan pizza. I always get um, it with feta and pepperoni. Oh yeah. Um, and so, so sometimes that's what I want, but sometimes I want, you know, something a little more, um, a little less, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, chain. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so like here in Chicago, that would be like, a real treat would be getting pizza, getting a, a big old pizza from um, Pequod's. Oh, yeah. Um, absolutely delicious. But we moved here from Michigan, um, and that's where my partner Eric is from. And so I really got turned on to Detroit-style pizza while we uh, were there. Yeah. And so um, the new chain that's kind of popping up more and more here that's everywhere in Michigan um, is Jet's yeah. Pizza. And that's an absolute favorite in our household. It's but, very good. Oh yes, as a kid, we were constantly going to um, we were constantly going to CC's Pizza, yeah. um, and I, you know, I was I think I was always aware that the pizza wasn't my favorite yeah. there, <laughs> but the little the little cheese breads uh -huh. that they had very similar to like the the cheesy bread from um, Little Caesars. Uh -huh. Um, but 
anyway, loved that. So yeah, I, I, you know, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't really discriminate. It's just kind of what mood I'm in. Yep. Um, am I in that, you know, something like a commitment, like a Pequod's moment or, you know, or is it just like Dominus or even, you know, little Caesars, just a little, little oh, hot yeah. and ready, just oh, pop yeah. in for a little hot and ready. It's so easy. So easy. <laughs> I'm very close to uh, Little Caesars right now in my life. Yes. It's a beautiful thing. Um, what's your favorite food and beverage pairing? I have no idea how I discovered this. Uh-huh. But um, so in the chips world, I love um, barbecue chips. Uh-huh. So I grew up, you know, knowing them as Casey Masterpiece barbecue chips. Yep. I think they've dropped the Casey Masterpiece element now. Yeah. But, um, and I'm also a big fan of peanut butter and jelly mm. uh, sandwiches. And at some point I had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with barbecue chips and I was drinking a Coke, uh-huh. um, just like a bottle of Coke. And for some reason, that combination was just absolute perfection. And I so yeah. it is a go-to for me peanut butter and jelly sandwich on, you know, not toasted bread. So this bread's still soft um, with Casey masterpiece, barbecue chips and a bottle of Coke. And that, that pairing is (laughs) I absolutely love. (laughs) That's beautiful. And that's so feasible too, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's uh, affordable. It's, it travels. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, it's, I, I used to have a lot of sort of shame around, um, you know, I think a lot of people have complicated relationships with food, um, but I I had a lot of shame around sort of just how pedestrian my uh, palate (laughs) tended to be. Yeah. And, um, but was also very, very defensive and would get very cagey, you know, when other people would, would comment on it and respond yeah. to it. And so I feel like, especially in my teens and my twenties, the, the results of sort of reacting negatively to other people commenting on my food, yeah. which, you know, by the way, just let's all stop commenting on what other people eat. Yes. Unless you're saying that looks delicious or tell me yeah. more about that. Or say like, nothing. <laughs> just say nothing. But um, but I think I, you know, responding to that, the, the you know, the criticism or the jokes and whatever yeah. it might be um, resulted in me sort of digging in more, right? Mm. In, in, instead of trying to open up my, uh, my horizons where food was concerned, for a long time, it was sort of um, digging back in and... Yeah. I've only in the last, um, you know, five or six years, I think really turned a corner where food was concerned and sort of let go of like a a good amount of the shame I felt around what I enjoyed. And once I did that, I started uh, welcoming more things into my food world and started to enjoy more. And inevitably I'll end up talking about my partner, Eric, probably quite a bit because he is... um, (laughs) an amazing cook and an amazing baker. And so yeah. a lot of my current food world revolves around his skills. Uh-huh. Um, but he has also certainly opened me up to a lot more. So I haven't let go of my love for these more pedestrian things like oh, my yeah. peanut butter and jelly sandwich with barbecue chips and, uh, and a Coke. But yeah. um, 
inviting more things into my life lately. <laughs> That's beautiful. And this was the time to do it, huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> we had some time to experiment. It has been a year of food, yeah. that is yeah. for sure. <laughs> it really has. Um, what's your favorite hot breakfast? Okay, so if I'm if I'm by myself and if I'm making it, what my typical is would be I'll I'll put a piece of toast in the toaster uh-huh. and then I will set out a slice of cheese. Um, and then I'll make a fried egg um, on the stovetop, just egg, salt, and pepper. And then um, I will, once the toast is out, I'll put the slice of cheese on the toast. I'll put Mm -hmm. the egg on top of the cheese. And then I eat that with a fork. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll probably put some hot sauce on top of it. Mm -hmm. And so that's mine. It's sort of a fast um, hot breakfast moment, but but it's one I really like. If Eric is up and not at work and cooking for us, he'll make, um, I think one of the first dishes he ever made for me actually was a breakfast dish. Mm-hmm. And um, it, he makes a hash. Mm. Um, and so he'll just, you know, go in and just like dice up some potatoes and throw in spinach and egg and whatever he has to sort of make this yeah. hash dish. And it's absolutely, you know, one of my favorite things. Um, wow. I love, yes, love those breakfast moments. Just some like nice crumbly bacon in there and it's just delicious. That's the dream. <laughs> I'm a huge hot breakfast fan. Like yeah. I could eat it at most meals. And, <laughs> and I lean I mean, on the same. Yes, I oh, so agree. We, we all, like breakfast for dinner is definitely a regular occurrence in our house. Mm-hmm. Um, I love uh chicken and waffles oh, mm-hmm. oh my gosh absolutely love chicken and waffles especially if you if the, the chicken has a little bit of heat to it a little bit uh-huh. of spice um so that's that's also something that we'll make from time to time we'll either you know uh make the chicken at home mm-hmm. um, or we'll sort of or we'll get it from somewhere yeah. and then make waffles and- yeah <laughs> that's a good hack yeah um what's your favorite theme park or county fair or street festival food? So for like kind of a, a savory situation, uh, I would say a turkey leg. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love a gigantic turkey leg from the the fair or you know, wherever mm. you wherever we are. There's a I went to college in Evansville, Indiana, uh-huh. the University of Evansville, and there's a giant like street festival there every fall called Fall Fest. Uh-huh. And of course, it's just wall to wall, you know, food vendors. And yeah. I was directing a production of Sheila Stevenson's The Memory of Water uh-huh. um, for my college. Um, and the, I took the cast of the show to Fall Fest. Mm. Um, and the, the play set in, in Great Britain. And so the only the only rule I had for them that day was, you know, we're going to the, we're all going to go to the fest together. We're going to have a good time. You have to use your dialects the entire time we're there. And you're not allowed to, if people ask you about it, you're not allowed to say, oh, I'm in a play. They're making us do this. Like you have to tell them, you know, I don't, I don't need you to be in character, but you have to tell them where you're from based on the play. And so um, (laughs) in order to get me back, they, uh, for, for that rule, they uh, they they signed me up for a little face painting at the fair, 
and <laughs> I got a full face uh, paint of uh, a tiger. Amazing. It was very glittery. Yes. And immediately got a turkey leg right after. And so I felt very appropriate with my tiger face, just sort of like just oh, gnarly gosh. eating this like giant turkey leg. Um, is there a picture then, of that? There definitely is. I'll send oh, it to good. you. <laughs> it's really, it's really, really silly. Um, yes. But of course, you know, also just a staple favorite is a, a funnel cake. Yes. Love a funnel cake. Yep. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Um, what's a food you eat to feel comforted? I was trying to think like what a good actual food for this would be. And to be honest, I think <laughs> generally, I think it's like, um, a fast food moment. Uh-huh. Um, Same. growing up, food was often used as a reward <laughs> for us. Yeah. And so, you know, if I was really good and went to the doctor and the doctor's appointment, you know, was good and I, you know, whatever, then yeah. the treat might be, oh, we get to go to McDonald's. Uh-huh. And so that has really stuck with me. So like anytime I feel, <laughs> I feel like, oh, I did that thing that I didn't want to do. Yep. I get to have McDonald's. Yep. <laughs> and so that has definitely stuck with me. Um, so yeah, that would be, that would be one of the things, but if I'm at home and I just need, I don't know, something to kind of lift my spirits and mm. feel a little bit better. Um, it's chocolate milk. I'll just a, oh, a nice big yeah. glass of chocolate milk, preferably I would have something like, um, you know, a, a, an actual like bottle of it or like um, uh-huh. Oberweiss makes amazing chocolate milk. True. Have that on hand. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, you know, yeah, mixing it up yourself with a little Hershey's chocolate oh, yeah. works just as well. But yes, I, I am a sucker for a chocolate milk. Oh my gosh. I, uh, when you were talking about fast food, it reminded me of, um, I'm going to keep the, the details pretty uh, low, but I was <laughs> Set about something in the middle of something uh-huh. and uh like before i knew what i was doing i had ordered myself burger king breakfast delivered to my house <laughs> like it was instantaneous i mean uh-huh. it took me 23 seconds to make the decision to do it yes. and you know what it did help it did help <laughs> it did help you know my a friend of mine um from texas uh used to always swear that a single cheeseburger uh-huh. from McDonald's would um, cure any headache that you had. Whoa. And, <laughs> you know, I, it's one of those things where you're like, does this really work? Yeah. I'm not sure. I've yeah. tried it. It yeah. felt like it worked, but maybe I just needed to yeah. eat. I don't know, but <laughs> but she well, swears by the magical properties of the single cheeseburger from McDonald's. That's amazing. I love that. That actually is perfect transition to our next question. What's the food you eat when you're under the weather? Well, I think so. So, like, with now that Eric and I, you know, have been together for a few years and mm-hmm. we live together, he, you know, I was sick. I had a pretty rough day after my second dose of the vaccine uh-huh. and he brought me just, you know, he just brought me like some chicken soup, um, the, with the, 
that I'd never had before with the pearls instead of like the noodles. So yeah. I can pull little little pasta balls. Yeah. And um and just some toast on the side. And I think that's probably pretty typical for what I would make for myself as well. Yeah. But uh when someone else does it for you when you're not feeling well, it's 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 got a little special a little oh, extra yeah. special something there. Oh, yeah. Um and we always, you know, it's always about the seven up um yeah. or the sprite that was very big when when I was a kid. If anyone's not feeling well, you had you had your seven up. Yeah. Um Eric's family, it's it's uh it's ginger ale. Yep. Um and so he'll he'll bring me a, a glass of Verner's um Amazing. if I'm not feeling well. But yeah, I think that's um uh, but I also, so I'm, Eric is better at me in the kitchen with cooking, with baking, uh-huh. with all of it. But I'm the, I'm the alcohol guy in terms of like liking to make drinks and uh-huh. like that. And so I will, especially in the winter, if you have a cold, hot toddies are just, mm-hmm. they are everything people say they are. Yeah. Uh, they will make you feel like you just feel so much better. You do. Um, so <laughs> I, I swear, I swear by, I swear by a hot toddy with a nice, really high proof whiskey. hundred <laughs> percent. I, I have to be careful with hot toddies. I have found because they make me feel so much better that I'm like, Oh, I'm not sick. <laughs> yes. And then I have to go out, you know, you go to, you go too hard and then you're yes. way worse. <laughs> 100%. Like, oh, I feel better. Let's have a couple bottles of wine, you know. <laughs> no, but they are they're they're real. And yes. I feel like the um you can do the like simplest hot toddy, but like I feel like some of the more mm. flavors that are layered, the more ornate it is, it's yes. somehow more powerful. Oh, completely agree. Yes. It's I love to, you know, throw in all the different spices and and yeah. you know, mix the mix the honey in just right with the hot water, and yeah. do all the little extra steps. It's uh, it's nice. What a blessing! What a dream! Yes. Um, we are at our longest question. Not that the answer needs to be, but that's the longest question for me to read. Um, <laughs> the namesake of the show, which is the classic base to many recipes, is mirepoix. This three ingredient holy trinity takes many forms all over the globe and manifests in different ways. What is your mirepoix? What ingredients do you use on the regular to start a cooking process? So this was the question, you know, looking over them ahead of time that I was like, mm-hmm. okay, like, and, and, you know, I was, I was trying to think like, okay, what would a good answer be? And then yeah. I was like, no, wait, stop, stop, pull back. Like, you, you know, <laughs> not trying to like tailor my response. So it's, right. so it's good or interesting or yeah. whatever. And just needing to like be, just be like, no, what's, what's truthful about me? And yes. so in terms of cooking, I, I am certainly someone who can follow a recipe mm-hmm. and, and do pretty well at that. Yeah. I don't have the instinctual cooking ability, uh-huh. right? I don't really have that like, um, ooh, if I, if I were to pair this spice in with this spice, it's going right. to really bring out the this of this dish, or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, I was thinking about um, like, yeah, yeah, I, I definitely understand like, oh, you know, some oil in a pan with 
salt and pepper and and just a piece of chicken like can can be simple and delicious uh-huh. but if i'm being truthful about what the most common sort of threesome of ingredients mm-hmm. that presents itself in my life <laughs> would be there's a meat mm-hmm. there's a cheese mm-hmm. and there's a bread yeah or just a meat a cheese and a carb yeah um, a protein and a carb you know and uh and so growing up I was, I loved cheeseburgers. And of course I still do. Yeah. But there was definitely a chunk of time in my childhood where a cheeseburger was going to probably be a thing that I ate on any given day. Uh-huh. And, you know, I caught, uh, that, that was a part of my life that I started catching flack and catching some criticism sure. for my palate. Wow. Um, my former stepfather um who we do not speak of <laughs> um he he used to you know call me wimpy mm. um and the the character from Popeye who is constantly yeah. eating cheeseburgers and um and so I kind of developed a, a negative like relationship to it but it was still yeah. something that I loved and so um but the the funny thing was someone commented later that that all of the things I typically eat mm-hmm. were some version of a cheeseburger. Uh-huh. Like, like, like if you stop and think about the ingredients, like a quesadilla right. could really be a cheeseburger, right? <laughs> You've got the carb element, the cheese yeah. element, and the meat element. Yeah. Um, and so there's just kind of on and on that was sort of the thread. I love a very simple sandwich for lunch. I will yeah. do a you know bread mayonnaise like cheese and a meat with some chips on the side um well actually i still prefer to put my chips inside of yeah. my sandwich yeah. because it's what you have to do yeah um that crunch is perfect oh my gosh so good so good um but yeah so so that's kind of like the 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 holy trinity for me is like yeah. i like a bread i like a cheese i like a meat and and i will put those together in um, in any combination, there's so many different, you know, oh, yeah. cultural examples of, of that sort yeah. of grouping, but I'm also very simple. Give me a Lunchable. That's yeah. awesome. Like <laughs> got Amen. A, a crackers, a meat and a cheese. It's yeah. Great. <laughs> oh man. Cheese and crackers is like my number one snack oh, my that God. sometimes turns into a meal, right? Yes. Where you're like, well, I mean, if I have like this much more <laughs> of cheese and crackers, I think I'd be full, you know? Yes. Just keep going and you're, you're, yes. you're good to go. I love that. I want to go back to the, the question of inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, you were saying that you're not somebody that can like make those connections between like what would taste good together or like Mm -hmm. make decisions on the fly. Do you feel like you can do that with bartending or is that the same? A a little bit more. Yeah. There definitely is a bit more of that. And so, you know, I, um, with drinks, there's so much that, uh, once you start kind of looking into recipes for, for various drinks, I really love to, scale all the way back to like the most basic recipe for a drink. And so, you know, for me, um, a margarita that is just, you know, two ounces of fresh lime juice, an ounce of tequila, a little bit of, of simple sugar, like yeah. that is perfect. Yeah. And 
and the truth is is that base that that ratio of Mm -hmm. sort of like two to one and then a dash is is the base of so many drinks yes so um i really loved kind of starting to learn about that and then building upon that to you know adding different flavors using different bitters i mean my favorite drink um my go-to drink is always an old-fashioned um but it's for as simple a drink it is it's really easy to make a bad one yeah and so i love to sort of experiment with you know what kind of not only what kind of whiskey i'm using yeah but also you know i have a whole variety of different kinds of bitters and Mm. and you know looking for that flavor i just had a a delicious old-fashioned actually while i was in texas visiting my family that was um that was served to me under glass and they and they had smoked the um, they had used a handheld smoker to oh. fill the glass with uh, with smoke, um, uh-huh. and then uh, to sort of add that smoked flavor into the into the old fashioned, and that was delicious. Oh my gosh! Um, but yeah, so it definitely is a bit more. Um, we we Eric and I during quarantine would occasionally play a game where um, <clears throat> we would make we would. Um, have each other make shots like but like we were on chopped so uh-huh. we would we would each like pull three bottles from Ooh. my from my collection of alcohol and just say okay some combination of these things plus you know other things you can find in the kitchen but these three things have to be in yeah. there make like compose just a shot and then we'll take it and it ended up being some good combinations i That's don't know that fun. I don't remember any of them, but there were some yeah. fun combinations. <laughs> Do you know M. Joy Gavino? Uh, we, we, uh, yes, she was here when I was here in Chicago, yeah. you know, like 2011 on. Um, yeah. And there were a couple of things. She, she floated around Victory Gardens quite a bit. Uh-huh. And uh, we, we interacted there, but we never, we never really became friends, but yeah, uh, but we certainly were in the same space as each other a lot. She and her husband Chad used to host Iron Bartender nights. Yes, and they were highly planned and structured. Like there yeah. were levels, and like the task got harder and harder. And oh my gosh, it was. I mean, first of all, everybody had a really good time. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> but it was like high level stuff. Like they yes. put a ton of time into it, and it was really really cool. Ah, oh, that is so. That's awesome. I. Yeah, I, I've 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 been interested. It's funny too because I actually drink rather rarely. Uh-huh. Um, but when so it's maybe once a week that I'm uh-huh. like fixing up a cocktail for us. Yeah. But um, yeah, when I do, I like to have fun. Um, I started experimenting with making my own bitters last year. Mm. Um, yeah, I've done some like infusion stuff, but really it started kind of learning more about it. There's a bar, my favorite like bar um, is in New York city and it's called death and co. Mm. And they have a couple of books out. Um, One's called the cocktail codex. And one is just called death and co. And um, they really approach in that book, especially the cocktail codex, they really approach it from this this standpoint of like there are six generic bases for a drink 
mm. in terms of ratios and the mm -hmm. types of things you're putting in them. Mm -hmm. um, and from there, you can get creative. And so the book really allows you to kind of understand their process of, of mm. mixology and creating drinks. And that's where I've kind of ended up learning quite a lot, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, oh, and they have, you know, they'll make liquor suggestions for you. And so I'm always after like, you know, finding that, like that really good bottle of whiskey or, and it doesn't necessarily mean it's the most expensive bottle of whiskey, but like a really good bottle of whiskey. Um, so I definitely highly recommend those books. Um, they have been instrumental in my, in my education. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's such an interesting part of food practice and bartender practice and everything in between. It's like, you have to sort of have the impulse yourself to look for a resource like yes. that, right? Yes, absolutely. Which absolutely. is wild, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's no, just... like, college class in how to cook <laughs> <for yourself. laughs> It's so true. It's so wild. Um, all right. What's in your fridge? What are the items that you can always find in your kitchen or pantry? So as I've alluded to and talked about a little bit, you know, my partner, Eric, is is quite something in the kitchen. And yeah. so our fridge is usually pretty stocked. Uh -huh. um, we we do find we, we did find ourselves really loving um, doing the meal kits mm -hmm. Um it was a way that I can contribute to our, our food like yeah. um, during the weeks, because like I said, I can follow a recipe now, you know, I always have to make him a little snack because it takes me about 30 <laughs> to 45 minutes longer than it takes yeah. him. Yeah. I'm very precise and I, you know, want to do it all just right. Yeah. He just can get in there and just mix things up and just go really quickly and he's he's imperfect but that's what ends up making it more delicious and yeah <clears throat> sorry um but so our kitchen our, our fridge there's always cheese um there's always many different kinds of cheese um where we the drawer the drawer is you know cram packed with all different mm -hmm. kinds of cheeses always there's always copious amounts of eggs. There's usually several cartons of eggs at once uh, in the fridge. And that's mostly because he he bakes so frequently. And so we go, we go through a ton of eggs in the house. We also go through a ton of butter um, in the house because of the amount that he that he's baking and he's cooking. Yeah. Um, there's usually a, a jug of 2% milk. I, I still love it. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, lately there's, I feel like there's just been a lot more, you know, like um, people being like, ugh, like you, you still drink milk. And I'm like, I, I do, I do. I, I like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with a glass of milk. I yeah. like a piece of chocolate cake with a glass of milk. But also um, don't you want to be like, who asked you? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> or who asked you to ask me? Like, yes. Yeah, I yes. wasn't soliciting opinions about my consumption, you know? Yes, yeah, someone, um, I don't remember when I first heard it or who first said it, but the first time I heard somebody say, um, don't yuck somebody else's yum. Yeah. I just was like, yes, that is so Finally. exactly right. Yeah. Like, just just chill out. <laughs> chill out is right. That is yeah, right. We, we, we usually have, um, uh, we, we have to have both mayonnaise and Miracle Whip. 
Uh Um, I grew up in a house with a mother who loved Miracle Whip and it stuck with me. Um, It makes my, it makes Eric's nose crunch up. Um, (laughs) So we have to have both kinds. Um, Usually lots of hot sauces in there. um, Several different kinds of mustard. We're sort of just, uh, we, we stay generally pretty well stocked and the cupboards are kind of the same as well. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. This is a completely non-question from this list. I, I was thinking about, because you're from Texas, are you a fan of Big Red, the soda? No, I'm not, but it but it definitely was a thing. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, we, um, the, the uh, it's funny because I, Big Red was around, you know, when I was growing up and then being in Michigan and, and being yeah. with Eric and with his family there, it was all about the Fago. Uh-huh. Um, yes. And so I learned, you know, the differences, you know, between the two and, and tasting yeah. and stuff, but oh yes, Big Red was, was a huge deal. Huge deal. <laughs> Big wild. Red and Dr. Pepper. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. You are nine years old. Who is in your kitchen? Who is doing the cooking and what are they making? Mm. I'm nine years old. So I grew up in a town called Bryson, Texas. Uh-huh. Bryson has a population, when I lived there, the population of Bryson, Texas was 549. Wow, yeah. Total people. I have been in a lot of rooms with more people (laughs) than the town that I grew up in. Yes. And it's a very rural community. Mm. Um, There's one paved road. Everything else is dirt. Um, And so, you know, there wasn't, we didn't have a grocery store. We had one restaurant called Cotton's uh-huh. and Cotton's was a, a, a Tex-Mex style just on the outskirts of town. Um, but other than that, we had two gas stations and whatever uh-huh. you could get at the gas station. Um, you could get a burger and some fries at the gas station for sure. Uh-huh. But, you know, shopping for groceries, you were going either, you know, 20 minutes to the to one of the towns that sort of neighbored us that were a little bit larger. Yeah. We didn't have, um, so it's, it's, it it can be a bit of a food desert. It can be a bit of a cultural desert as well. And so, yeah, growing up, like, you know, my mom would be in the kitchen. Uh, She, she's not the biggest fan of cooking. And Uh so, uh, it was often just sort of like what was practical, what could easily yeah. be done for for us. Also, just kind of what we liked, as I've, you know, alluded to, I'm definitely a picky eater um, as a kid. And yeah. so, yeah, it was a lot of, um, let's see, like, um, oh my gosh, what <laughs> the boxes. Um, Macaroni and cheese, crap. like ham- hamburger helper. Oh, hamburger, hamburger helper. helper, yeah. Yes, oh my gosh. A lot of a lot of that. So we had yes. like some hamburger helper, and she would make, um, you know, some. She would toast some bread and put a little butter and like yep. a little garlic powder on it, and um, so that would be pretty frequent. But also, my grandmother, who um, I was very close to my grandparents, um, and my grandmother, uh, who's still alive, uh, who we call Nanny. Mm-hmm. Um, nanny would often be over at our house cooking and she made a lot of things that we really loved um, breakfast she would she loved to make us um, sugar powder donuts oh, and wow. she would she would make them using um, 
the the like the the grand's like biscuits yeah. in a can. Yeah. She would pop those open and she would always make just donut holes. And so yeah. she would punch out the holes and then she would out of the, the biscuit mix and she yeah. would just toss them in the deep fryer, take them out, coat them with sugar, and oh they were so delicious. Yes. Um also really loved she would always make us um loose meat hamburgers. That was a big thing. Oh. Um, and so kind of like imagine having, you know, taco meat on a burger, yeah. but without any of the seasoning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what a loose or like meat a sloppy is. joe with no sauce. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, with some cheese and um always loved that and always yeah. looked forward, always looked forward to to that. But yeah, that was that was kind of you know typically what we were doing. Pretty yeah. pretty easy, pretty fast. Um, and and what was kind of available to us yeah that's right um if we aren't eating blank then it isn't blank okay so this one is new because this one started when eric became a part of my life and his family and so the first answer to that question is if we're not eating um the like little like smoked sausages with cheese in them then it isn't christmas morning oh yeah so this was a i think this happens a lot right where um one christmas his mother so he's one of four siblings so there's Um, a, a big family and they're all very close in age and so she was always looking for, you know, the fast, the, 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 the mass you know, easily reproduced, you know, large yeah. quantity kind of dishes. And um, just one Christmas, she just happened to buy these, you know, cheddar, um, like Ehrlich, uh, like sausages, little yeah. links or whatever. Yeah. And it just immediately became a tradition. It was sort yeah. of like the next year they were like, did you get the sausages? And then every year. And so, <laughs> you know, it's, it's still a thing. And so mm-hmm. even this year when we weren't able to be um, with either of our families um, yeah. for Christmas, uh, we definitely still had to make sure we had the, the cheddar sausages um, to have on Christmas morning. Um, the other, so like from my life uh, yeah. forever, um, if if you're not eating popcorn out of a very specific yellow plastic bowl uh-huh. in my family, then you're not going to eat popcorn because yeah. it's the popcorn bowl. And yes. my mother, my mother still has it, so she's probably oh. had it for 30, 40 years. Yeah, and she will, um, she'll get it out uh, when we're home, you know, in front of other people or whatever. She'll just pull it out of the cupboard and, yeah, and you know, say to the to my my two sisters and I she's like um kids what is this and we'll say it's the popcorn ball yeah <laughs> because that's what you have to eat popcorn out of it's that's real basic that's yellow plastic bowl but you yeah. couldn't eat popcorn out of anything else I have a <laughs> I have like a set of bowls that sit inside of each other mm-hmm. but the biggest one in my head is a popcorn bowl like that's what I yeah. would call it. <laughs> it's like that's what that's for <laughs> yeah yeah exactly like I, I don't even think I can't even think of anything I would need that big of a bowl for, for <laughs> other than massive amount of popcorn that popcorn. I want. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> popcorn is one of my like all time favorite foods. Like corn in general, but like popcorn, 
we just bought yeah. this we we just bought a bag of popcorn that was um that is sweet corn flavored mm. um like smoked sweet corn flavored <laughs> popcorn and we're we just bought it yesterday we're about halfway through this yeah. giant bag already um yes we love popcorn oh my gosh it's the best yes um my mom will be embarrassed when i say this because she listens to all my episodes so i know she's listening (laughs) we had a popcorn bowl growing up but it was also the if you're gonna get sick bowl no okay so here's what's really crazy joe yeah same it's Ah! literally the same it was that bowl would sit beside us like that yellow bowl would sit beside us in our bedrooms if we were ill and it was the popcorn ball. Yes. That is such a weird coincidence. That's really funny. I wonder how many people are shouting at their, you know. I know, right. Yes, yeah. yes, the popcorn bowl was our puke bowl too. And it didn't freak me out. And it's, it shouldn't have. I mean, it's sanitary. I mean, right. water, yeah. right? Yeah. But like, it was just both, which is <laughs> wild. So funny. Yeah. Oh I my gosh, that. that's great. Um, <laughs> To completely change the subject from people's. <laughs> um, it's a celebration. How did you know your family was going all out with food? What restaurants did you go to? What plates came out of the cupboard? How big was the spread? Yes. So let's see. I mean, we were really all about like the, the backyard barbecue moment. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny, you know, people from, uh people always get confused when i talk about barbecue um because i both i love barbecue actual barbecue right yeah like um i am of course partial to like the texas like tomato based barbecue yeah um but i but i'm equally as big a fan of the other styles as well but um but also you know for us a barbecue also meant grilling yeah so we would refer to you know having you know burgers and and hot dogs out on the grill in the back as a barbecue and so um so that was pretty common for us that that Mm -hmm. we'd fire up the grill and um that would that would be an event Mm -hmm. um for holidays and things like that it was always the um the spiral ham oh my Mm -hmm. gosh the ham was always coming out uh we love a honey glazed ham moment Mm -hmm lots of sides um the the packages of rolls um that you that are you know pre-formed that you cook um the little white rolls um that was that was always there there was always a fight over the doneness of the Mm -hmm. rolls and what was appropriate still to to this day do not understand people who love like a well-done roll it's like no, they have to be soft, and so yeah. inevitably there would be two batches of rolls. There would be the crispy, the crunchy outsided rolls, and then the ones that we liked, which were of course barely baked. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's funny. I, I mean, uh, this is derailing what you're saying, but that's how I feel about toast. Like I actually like my toast barely toasted. Yes, which is very other people do not understand. Yes, and this might this might belong a little bit later. Um, I'd forgotten about it, but. Um, where toast is concerned, so something that someone taught me a long time ago was to put your, if you're making a sandwich for yourself, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on toast, you take your piece of toast and you stack them and you put them in the toaster 
and you toast them that way. And so the outsides toast and the insides stay soft. And so it's easy to spread your peanut butter and jelly or whatever your materials are on the hardened toasty side. And you can keep the nice soft side on the outside. So you Whoa. still get that crunch and you get that softness. Yes. That's right. smart. Right? And that's, I'm into I, that. that's, that's definitely my thing because I like the crunch of the toast. Yeah. But it can't be too crunchy. I don't like it when toast, you know, tears up the inside of my mouth. That's no. not a preferred feeling. But no. <laughs> yes. So this like soft outside of the toast, crunchy inside was was actually quite quite a lovely discovery <laughs> that's incredible so, something that i do is sort of the inversion of that is i have a toaster oven and i put bread cheese bread in the toaster oven yes <laughs> and i don't even like toast it that long just until like there's like a little bit of color on the bread uh-huh. mm-hmm. and then i eat the crap out of it yes <laughs> it's perfect <laughs> that's so good oh you know um, i don't know why i just thought of this too but my uh we were talking about cheese and crackers earlier like a delicacy of my house or like what we wanted my mom would um you know take cheese slices and cut them into fours and then put them individually on saltines oh and then put them in the microwave for like 10 seconds yes whatever. oh that was my like God, my yes. dream <laughs> <laughs> yes i you know we this this is perhaps a little bit back to your question about you know what was being made for mm-hmm. you looking back even younger in my life where mm-hmm. food was concerned there were a few years so my my parents split up when i was like three mm-hmm. and so there were quite a few years in there before my former stepdad came into the picture mm-hmm. and so it was just my mom and my sister and i my mother was a business assistant for a school district at the time uh-huh. um didn't make very much money and so we were we we had we lived with pretty modest means when I yeah. was when I was a kid. We were we were relatively poor, and um, but my mother would always um, she was so good at Jordan and I were never aware of that. Right, it's sort mm. of like looking back on it, you're like, oh yeah. wow, yeah. And so she would make a big deal out of things like you know a special treat of you know putting. Uh, splitting a hot dog wiener um, and putting some putting like folding some cheese inside of it and then microwaving it and we would eat that and that was like a a special treat a very special treat and looking back it's just so I don't know looking back now I'm just aware of how much she did to sort of I don't know make Jordan and I you know we were not aware that there was any struggle going on or that there was, you know, any, and she, we always had support. My grandparents were very close, you know, but, but she just always went out of the way to sort of eventize things and make them feel really special. And so, um, yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a delicious treat that we always had. (laughs) That's beautiful. And and there's a, it's, there's like a lesson in there too, like for like oneself, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Yes. In our first, very first episode, Christina Anthony talks about the importance of setting the table, even if it's just for yourself. But mm. like, you know, making things a little extra special. <laughs> yes, yes, it's so true. We, yeah. I'll never forget. You know, we moved when I was a kid, and somehow during the move, 
um, when it was just my mom and my sister and I, and somehow during the move, our box of Christmas decorations was just lost. And um, there, there were some things that we still had, yeah. but there was a main box that had all of our ornaments and all of those kinds of things in it that we lost and, and um, or that were broken. Or I can't remember, but there was some reason that we were suddenly without them. And yeah. um, I just remember my mom like going to the store and like buying a bunch of popcorn and buying like cranberries and other things and, and yeah. other like fruits and, and we, you know, we, we strung up our popcorn garlands and our, our cranberry garlands and we, we hung apples and, and things from the tree um, to make it look good. And it felt, it was like a special adventure. It wasn't yeah. like a moment of loss or compensate yeah. or, or, you know, having to um, compromise. It was, it was actually all the more special because of it. So yeah, she was really good at that. Um, and, and both of my parents, um, you know, my father who, who passed in 2005, yeah. they were both like really committed, like to kind of, of doing that, of making things yeah. special, of, of, of not sort of letting us into um, the, the complexities of, of our lives um, as a family. And, Yes. At the time, you know, a beautiful effort um, later in life gets more complicated <laughs> like yeah, yeah. because you're like, wow, I'm learning all this stuff that was that I never knew before. But yeah, um, but yeah it was very special. And, and food was certainly always a way that they, you know, found the found the easiest and the least expensive, you know, avenue to get food to us, but also yeah. um, tried to make it special. That's beautiful. That transitions us interestingly into the next question. What food for you is home? What recipe do you hope is on the table when you visit family? Whenever I go back to Texas, it's really like you can just kind of start a countdown. You can start a timer to see how long it takes me to get to Whataburger. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> Whataburger is is yeah. a uh, is an absolute favorite and it's it's going home to Texas definitely, you know, means I get to see my family and I get to go to Whataburger. Um, So that's, you know, that's always there. That's always a thing. Um, I think I I flew into Phoenix for a conference last year before the pandemic and Mm -hmm. um, had no idea they had Whataburgers in Phoenix. And then I saw the sign for one exit and I nearly wrecked my rental car trying to like get (laughs) off the highway in time, (laughs) but it was a a real treat, but yeah, you know, um, beyond that, um, there's also this weird thing in Texas is, um, there's a, a large like Czech population in uh-huh. Texas. Um, we have a lot of, a lot of little pockets all around yeah. um, the state. And um, anyone who's driven from Dallas to Austin knows that there's a stop along the way at a large restaurant, a large rest stop called the Czech stop. Um, and they sell kolaches. and kolaches in texas are definitely different than than they are anywhere else Um, yeah you can get the fruit filled pastries Uh but for some reason 
kolache has also become synonymous with um, a meat feel filled pastry. And so really all they are are sort of oversized pigs in a blanket. Yeah. (laughs) But you can get them at any donut shop in the state and um so they're often yeah they're often sold in donut shops and they refer to them as kolaches which doesn't make a whole lot of sense but they're delicious and i'm always sort of expecting them you know i'll i'll uh stay at my grandmother's when i go home and um she'll have gone to the donut shop in the morning and and gotten an order of kolaches and they're like waiting for me um but yeah, you know, we go out to eat a lot <laughs> when I when I'm home and yeah. Um, but there's always a bowl of queso around. Yeah. Tex Mex is a really big deal. Yeah. Um, to us, we we uh, we we're definitely always eating sort of the, the yeah. plain old Velveeta um, queso dip. <laughs> Although that's another trick is um, if you you can add a bit of cream of mushroom soup like a can of cream of mushroom soup, uh-huh. you add just a bit of it to the queso. It's not going to affect the taste of it. Uh-huh. But what it does do is it helps the queso maintain its consistency. Whoa. And so it, you don't get that film on the top yeah. as quickly. That's um, like huge. Eventually it's going to appear, right? It's yeah, just yeah, yeah. But it helps it stay creamy um longer if you add yeah. just a little bit of cream and mushroom soup into your queso dip. oh i'll try that That's yeah try it <laughs> my goodness very I've strange but it uh, works <laughs> i've been battling that film for a long time <laughs> um that's i'm literally going to try that so thank yes. you <laughs> good awesome all right fill in the blank what americans don't understand about blank is blank Okay, I thought about this for so long and I just was like, what? Ah, oh, I couldn't get there. And then I was like, oh, I know what it is, which is what Americans don't understand about food is that it doesn't have to be consumed quickly. So this is something that I am always like feeling because yeah. I love to like savor a meal. Uh-huh. I like to take my time. Uh-huh. I like to talk to other people, you know, like while we're eating. And so, you know, when we're, if, if, if like we get to travel abroad or something, like I love being like in France and just mm-hmm. like having those breakfasts that's just like piles of like meats and cheeses and breads and, yeah. and just sort of slowly making your way through them. And so, you know, I feel like so often here, it's always just like a race. And, yeah. People are getting through their meal as quickly as possible. Yeah. And, you know, some of that has to do with you upbringing, like, for instance, like my partner is a very fast eater. And lots of siblings. Um, yes, lots of siblings. Exactly. It's like always about like who can get to the food. Yeah. And um, so we'll often be sitting down to have dinner and like he's he'll be like halfway through eating and i haven't taken a bite yet i've been busily like you know prepping everything and putting my knife and fork where i wanted and unfolding my napkin and oh i you know realize oh i i need i I really need a a glass of water and get up and so it takes me a long time to even just kind of get into the meal um but once i'm there yeah i love to just kind of take my time and um 
I think that that relationship with food is um, it's an interesting like American thing. I feel like that, yes, you know, it's all about sort of con- convenience and, yeah. and efficiency. And yes. so I think that's, you know, that's also a big thing for me sort of zooming out even away from food. Right. It's yeah. like a big thing Americans don't realize is that they don't have to be in a hurry for everything. Yep. Um, I love the national parks. It's a really big part of my life. Mm. Um, And, you know, on a quest to, to visit, to visit every, every national park in the country. And, um, you know, I, I go, we go and we'll go on these hiking trails and stuff. And, and yeah, I never understand the people around me who are just (laughs) cruising along going as fast as we can. And I just, I always just want, you know, obviously do your own thing, what, right. you know, your life, whatever. But I always just want to say, guys, it's not a gym. This is right. the world. Like, right. this is beauty. This is, there's yeah. so much to look at and see. And, and so I love to take my time. Um, I try not to, to rush in general. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a thing though, I, you know, with Eric and I, that we, that we navigate because our, our paces are different. Um, in general he has this faster clip sort of to his internal life and and i don't and um you know i am very detail oriented and want things done a certain way but i take a lot of time to do that Uh and so it's sort of like if you want it done right i'll do it but it's gonna take me a lot of time if you want it done right now eric's your man he's gonna get it done yeah it's gonna all it's going to be done it's going to be you know you might not know where it is but it's it's taken care of like yeah yeah Yeah, that like compulsion to like like you said efficiency and productivity and Mm -hmm. winning you know like winning the museum winning the theme park is so bizarre but it's like also inside you know like i have some of that in me and uh it's it will take generations to work oh it's it absolutely will and i love that there's so much conversation right now around yeah. sort of like questioning um how much we value productivity and how yeah. much we you know this workplace um you know the idea of like your value being so tied to your work and yes um it feels like more and more you know people are really starting to question all of those things and and say like hang on a second like we're we're losing out on some real um opportunities by trying to just maximize efficiency and and to be as productive as we possibly can at all times and um so i'm i'm all i'm all in i'm here for this movement (laughs) same same i think we have to be yes yes we're gonna break you know yes i mean i think this is what's happened you know in the last year with the pandemic is like so many people who have for years found themselves unable to stop mm-hmm. were forced to stop mm-hmm. and i have talked to so many people who I, I knew before the pandemic you know in 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 my industry in my field in the in the world of theater uh and producing who were were those people who had yes. three projects at all times yes. who were running from thing to thing to thing to thing and then suddenly couldn't anymore and finally stopped for the first yeah. time since they've been adults and yes. and figured out like oh my gosh maybe huh 
maybe I've been going too hard. <laughs> and, yeah. And yeah. And like uh, that realization of like, oh, wait, is this what well rested feels like? Right. Is this what yes. it feels like to like make dinner and read a book mm-hmm. in the evening? Yes. Wow. And balance. <laughs> and, you know, we value, we value sacrifice so much, um, especially yeah. in, in the arts, I yeah. think. And yeah. this sense of like, your commitment and your passion for for the the work is directly tied to how much of yourself you're willing to sacrifice yes to have it and i just am here to show up and say we don't have to be that and this you can love this and it can still just be a job you can you can go do it for you know six seven hours in your day and and that's it and that's fine yes. like <laughs> yes yes i mean and you're saying that during teacher appreciation week yeah. right? the right. number and of it's... people that we intentionally not only intentionally exploit budget to exploit yes oh my god yes right? i mean we that's a whole nother podcast but um <laughs> it's huge it's huge it's huge 100 percent. and yeah man you got seven hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. To go back to our, our food, though, yes. I could I, I, I wanted to stay in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, what's a food or cuisine that you found in your adult life that changed how you thought about food? I Maybe it's related to Eric. Huh? Uh, yeah, of course. It's, it's all about Eric here. I mean, <laughs> you know, he, he, like I said, he just he can go into the kitchen and he can, you know, whip something up so quickly yeah, and it be like the best thing you've eaten that yeah. month, you know? And yeah. um, it's uh, I'm in my life. So, so we've, you know, we, we mentioned, you know, we are, we are Zodiac um, <laughs> family here, but along with my Pisces moon, I'm uh, uh uh, sorry, my Pisces sun, I'm a Capricorn moon and a Virgo mm. rising. Mm-hmm. And so I have these other two components to me that are, you know, one is sort of all about ambition and, and, and wanting to, to do really well. And then this sort of Virgo side of me, right. That takes over and wants to like plan and organize and have everything be tidy. And, and, and so, you know, I kind of went into food making before I met Eric from that perspective of like, I'm going to make a good meal. And that means I'm going to follow this recipe to a T I'm going to be so precise and I'm going to, you know, all, and I'm going to buy the best ingredients and that's going to make it perfect. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, to, to get to be with him and to get to watch him cook and to watch what he's like in the kitchen and to see sort of the, like the, the places where he allows some imprecision and, um, you know, to be like, oh, that looks like a tablespoon or that looks like, you know, enough of this or nothing. That'll cut down, yeah. (laughs) That really just like, it admittedly, (laughs) and still sometimes it's frustrating to me because, you know, I I grew up, I'm still the kid who wants to, wants the teacher to love them the most. Um, I'm still the kid who's terrified of being sent to the principal's office. Yeah. And so I am a rule follower. Um, and, um, I've tried to shake that my whole life, but I am a rule follower. Mm -hmm. And 
so when I encounter these these things, right, where where we're living outside of the rules actually makes things better. Yeah. Um, sometimes that can be a challenge for me. Yeah. Um, but oh, it's just so it's just been so beautiful to to get to watch, you know, someone who is who is instinctively like so good at this. Um, he's also really. Um, you know, I've talked a bit about like shame and mm-hmm. and having complicated relationships with food, and you know, I, I've I've had a a few sort of negative, you know, interactions and relationships in the past. I had one yeah. former boyfriend who um, my relationship with food was um, was like a real drawback for him mm-hmm. in our mm-hmm. relationship and I remember he he loved he loves sushi he loves sushi so much and and I never did I never got into sushi I didn't grow up around fish I grew right. up in a rural town in the middle of Texas. one restaurant we didn't have fish we had catfish maybe or yeah. we had you know but but yeah there was a diner in a town nearby and you know people would order a fish dish you know off the menu right and we'd be like you think that thing just like jumped out of the ocean and crawled all the way here? Where do you right. like, how fresh do you expect that to be? Right. But I remember he took me to the sushi restaurant and he was determined mm. and he got like one of everything. And <clears throat> he was so sure that we were going to leave that experience with me having changed my mind. And when I dutifully tried everything in front of me and, and it still didn't take, yeah he was so devastated by that Uh and and i remember he said he said to me when you meet when you meet taylor you get this sense that he's this really worldly person (laughs) but it turns out that you're you're not really (laughs) and i was just like uh (laughs) <laughs> I was just like so shocked. Yeah, like, you're like, how am I supposed to take that, respond to that? <laughs> what is that? What does that mean? And so, yeah. you know, going and it and it was a real, it became a real difficult thing for us in our yeah. relationship. And I had a lot of, you know, a lot of shame around that and and wanting to be um wanting to be that person and always mm-hmm. hating that I wasn't. And but of course it doesn't, as we know, shame doesn't work. No, right? it's not an effective tool for anything. For anything, and if anything, it 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 just drove me away from being open to new experiences, yes. and and it it pushed me towards safety, you know, whenever I could. And to me, safe meant what I knew. But Eric, we had this conversation about food pretty early on because I was like, okay, this is a thing about me that you need to know. Yeah. And that other people have had a problem with, and yeah. I know you love food, and I know you love to cook, so I just want to set some expectations. And yeah, and you know, it was sort of amazing, like from the beginning, that that to him, it wasn't, it wasn't that it was a challenge for him to overcome, or you know, like I'm going to make you like all of this great food, but it was sort of like I'm going to cook things the way I know how to cook them and I'm going to encourage you to try them and all I ever ask is that you give something a try if you don't like it you don't like it and the gentleness of his approach Mm -hmm. and sort of the open-heartedness of it 
Yeah. It has, it has resulted in me sort of finally, like actually beginning to open up and beginning to have, you know, an expanded palette and, and trying new things. And, you know, sometimes I'm sure I'm moving along at a slower, a slower clip than, than he would prefer. But at the same time, he's, he's always so patient and, and there's so many things that I've, you know, I, I've discovered that I like that I always didn't think I liked. I mean, I didn't think that I liked corn on the cob. Right. That was just wrong. It was just so <laughs> wrong, you know, yeah. but it was but always, if it's in your head. If yes, that's it was experience. in my head. It was like, yeah. that's what I thought. And, yeah. and so then, you know, I have it and I'm in this place with him where I feel like I can try things and that I'm not going to be made fun of. Yeah. If I don't like a thing, you know, it, it's a, it's a very, it's been, it's been wonderful. And so, you know, my, the, my adult sort of food education has come from my partner and, mm-hmm. um, and I, I'm, I'm trying new things all the time and I'm, and I'm loving um, new dishes all the time. So yeah. it's a, yeah, it's a very special part of our relationship. And I'm That's really, beautiful. really lucky that he yeah. is uh, the way he is. What a good egg. Yes, agreed. <laughs> All right. What's your biggest recipe fail? Well, um, when I was a kid, I would sometimes go, you know, get a wild hair and, and want to like cook for the for the family or something. And uh-huh. um <laughs> I I definitely remember there were these cookies that I made and I had I had switched up the baking powder with baking mm-hmm. soda or maybe it was the other way around anyway yeah. the cookies were absolutely wretched yeah. um but of course everyone everyone's like trying to eat them and yeah and because they because i was really young and they were yeah. wanting me to feel you know yeah. but they were horrible oh they were horrible and i was so devastated at the time and like flash forward to me as an adult so you know one thing that kind of um surprised I haven't brought up at all but like is you know I say I don't drink a lot Mm. and I don't drink very much but after having lived in Oregon for a while I have certainly become quite the connoisseur of the cannabis oh yeah and so um you know to the point of even like grow like I've I've actually like grown cannabis Mm -hmm. and and, um I have done a fair amount of baking Mm -hmm. um and Mm -hmm. making making our own edibles and things like that and so I don't know if it was a fail or if it was a real success, but I definitely had one batch of cookies that I made where you couldn't taste the weed in it at all. And I returned to that recipe quite a few times, but they were like supercharged. And so, you know, like you eat it and you're like, I must have messed this up. I, I can't really taste weed in this at all. Um, and then it's an hour and a half later, you're, you know, making snow angels in the carpet in, yeah. <laughs> in your living room and like not wanting to get up for a few hours. So, um, so I don't think it was necessarily a fail, but it can be, yeah. it can be dangerous because yes. you, you end up keeping on eating and then, yes. oh boy, you're, you're in for a world of, world of trouble. <laughs> we need, yeah. We like to, we like to know what we're getting into. Yes. <laughs> um, what's a recipe hack that you found that you'll always stick with? 
Yes. So um, there is, it, it, it has to do with making scrambled eggs. Oh, uh -huh. so um, which is funny because I, I told you about the 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 toast making the toast. Yeah. With the that I was like didn't even think about that, but um, but the thing that I I thought of was when I make scrambled eggs. You know, I used to do it with by like putting everything into like a mixing bowl or something, and adding all my components and then pouring it on the skillet and then cooking uh -huh. it, and then. Um, I read, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of the people who, who did it, whose recipe I was reading, but uh, they were saying, this is the best way to make scrambled eggs. And so oh. what you do is like, you have, you, you crack your eggs, you have however many eggs you're going to make in your bowl and uh, you go ahead and mix those all up. But then instead of mixing in, you know, any milk or cheese mm -hmm. or, or um, anything else you might put into the eggs altogether, you actually in the skillet, put the, go ahead and put the eggs in there and then put like a chunk of butter on the, on the skillet. And then if you're going to add a little bit of cheese, just put a little pile of cheese on the skillet, let it stay separate. And then a little spot of milk again, keep them all separate. And then you cook you know, on medium heat and let everything sort of slowly start to mix together mm. and the butter sort of slowly melting into the eggs, like makes them delicious. And then oh. um, once they kind of are naturally combining, you can go ahead and help them along and combine them in the pan. Oh. And as soon as, as soon as the eggs, as soon as like you push a spatula across the eggs as soon as they will not come back together right um, in the middle remove them from heat and let them cook the rest of the way off of heat and it they i love an i love a scrambled egg like french yeah, style very undercooked like yeah. very soft yeah and that method has always made like the most delicious scrambled eggs um, oh gosh. if there's one dish that i can make <laughs> perhaps better yeah. than, than, than Eric in this house. It might be my scrambled eggs. That's well, there you go. <laughs> it's so basic. It's so basic, but it's yeah. sort of just a, just a slight upgrade um, yeah. and making them just fluffy and gooey and mm, yum. I love it. <laughs> this is very related. It sounds like what's a recipe that you highly recommend and what makes it special? Yes. I mean, that obviously is one yeah. and that's why it makes it special. <laughs> Um, like many people, um, uh, and I know, I know it's the case for you because we, <laughs> we send TikToks back and forth to each other from time to time. Um, we definitely found ourselves exploring a lot of different TikTok cooking and recipes during the last year. And so the recipe that's out there that I think is delicious that everyone's doing that you should also do is the, you've seen the, have this pasta dish that you can make on TikTok. Um, yes. Yeah, so we used, uh, goat cheese and oh, so uh -huh. you, yeah, you just have your, your, your goat cheese in the, in the dish, yep. um, with a bunch of like grape tomatoes and yeah. you just cook them all for 20 minutes. And then you can mash the tomatoes in with the, in with the, the goat cheese and make the sauce and then 
pour some penne pasta in and oh it's so good people have gone nuts for it yes and there's been so many things we've discovered yeah. on tiktok actually um True. that were like i think there's something about the format that yeah um being able to see it and everyone's you know puts all this high high production value into yes. the videos it oh they just oh, it's also the exact opposite mm. of looking up a recipe online in this decade where you look up a recipe online like on a recipe site and there's just like essays and essays of information that you uh, don't need uh-huh and you're digging through it for the Until oven you can get to the, right yes <clears throat> or the oven temperature and the time and tiktok is the exact opposite right they're like here's what you need to know Yes, and there's in 15 seconds, or there'll be like a video that's just them making this dish and eating it and being happy about it. Yeah, and then you have to go to their page to go for a part two. Yeah, they actually tell you what it is and what the ingredients yes. are and things like that. You know, a friend of mine that that thing about the um, recipes online and and how there's always these stories at the the top of them. You know, I uh, I didn't I never knew that there was perhaps like a practical reasoning behind it um but someone was telling me that um you can't you can't copyright a recipe oh uh-huh. but you can copyright a story interesting and so that that is often why you see that because people can actually say this is my property um because it's my story about you know what i don't know my husband what he does at work all day and then comes <laughs> home to this delicious meal from me you know um, yeah. But yes, yes, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, that explains why every single one has to read like that. the longest blog post in the world following so a recipe. <laughs> just tell me the oven temperature. Just, I just want to know. <laughs> but yeah, that would make a lot more sense. That would make a lot more sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, what chef or food practitioner do you recommend folks looking into? Well, I, you know, I, I, I think I gave a bit of a shout out earlier to um, the, if it comes to drinks that folks mm -hmm. are interested in to um, Death & Co, which is uh -huh. out of um, New York City. There's a, um, a really, it's a, it's a really fun bar, very, uh, very dark atmosphere yeah. um, there on the, the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Um, and they have two books. Uh, one's just called Death and Co. And one is called The Cocktail Codex. Mm -hmm. And they're both really excellent for anyone sort of just starting to get interested in making drinks. Um, there's a lot of recipes that are, you know, wild and you have to have all these things, but there's also a lot of really basic things. Yeah. And then they have a preferred like liquors list at the end of the book so that you can like going into a liquor store, you could actually just kind of like, I, I have like, a note on my phone saved with all of their recommended bottles and you know so i just nice. can grab those things yeah and then beyond that you know like i'm from texas she, she's from oklahoma so i'm a fan of the pioneer woman yes re is excellent um so we we definitely i definitely re recommend her she's some of her recipes are ones we use they're and, solid yeah oh yes eric loves to make the um, her recipe for cinnamon rolls uh -huh. um, and oh my goodness they are oh my gosh they're so crazy good yeah <laughs> it's real it's real yes. I have a friend who's like not a big fan of her personality the pioneer woman what's her what's her name <laughs> Reed uh, Drummond Reed Drummond like she's like that's not my vibe but her recipes 
are yes. 100% good. Yes, 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you forget, like, you don't, this is so American, right, to have this confusion. You don't have to like the personality of a chef. Yes, yes. For their food to be good. Right. Yes, absolutely. 100%. 100%. Like, I don't have anything in common with Paula Dean except for a love for butter. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> also, she doesn't make any money off of you using her recipes. So, no, right. We're mad at her, you know? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, yeah, like Rachel Ray's wild. I, she's like a total <laughs> yes. loose cannon, but her recipes are great. 100%. Yes. yes. I and I maybe I'd invite her over for a dinner party, but I would know it went somewhere strange, you know. <laughs> Rachel, are you listening? Um, believe it or not, this is shocking. We've made it to our last question. Oh my god! I know, but it's also not shocking because we've been talking for ninety <laughs> minutes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, what are you working on right now, food related or not, that you want to share with listeners? So um, I am. You know, Joe, I have to say that one of my mm. favorite things about this conversation is that we've been talking for an hour and a half and haven't been talking about work. That is just yes. remarkable. Thank and I, I try that with new people. It's like kind of a thing I've tried to do of being like, how long can you go yeah. in this conversation without asking someone what they do? Yes. Like, and by saying do, meaning work. Yes. Um, so I've really, really loved this. And now I'm yeah. going to talk a little bit about my work. <laughs> yeah. But um, so I'm the, I'm the, the, uh, I'm the senior producer for a company called Play on Shakespeare. We create, um, we commission contemporary playwrights to create these uh, modern English verse translations of Shakespeare's canon. Mm. Um, so, you know, what that means is you're looking at um a text right that's 400 years old um and so much of the english that was being used when they were written it's not the way we use english no. anymore and so what what the playwrights were tasked with doing was going in and sort of going after these like thornier passages mm -hmm. um and untangling some of it or um mm -hmm. sometimes it's as simple as as word order right that syntax is very different now yeah. and so just actually taking that verb and go ahead and moving it on over to the other side of the noun helps us a lot to understand the flow of a sentence but <clears throat> when shakespeare's translated into languages that aren't english was translated into french for instance mm -hmm. uh, a new translation perhaps it's not translated into the 1600s form of french it's oh, translated yeah. into a contemporary form of french and so there's this interesting sort of thought lately that people who are seeing Shakespeare translated into their native languages are having a more immediate experience of the story yeah. because it is written in their tongue. Yeah. And so that was the inspiration behind the project was what, how could we come up with an, an English version of that experience of Shakespeare? So it's a very strange project. We pissed a lot of people off. Um, <laughs> people are very precious about Shakespeare. I'm sure. Very precious. But some incredible writers out there. And you can find out more by going to our website, playonshakespeare.org. But we also have um, just uh, launched recently. We're working with a podcast production company out of Los Angeles called Next Chapter Podcasts. Hmm. And they partnered with us to sort of launch their fictional 
um, scripted fiction content for podcasts. Ooh, and so they are adapting the play on translations of Shakespeare's plays into um, episodic like podcast form. So right now, um, I think that this week, uh, tomorrow, the fifth episode of our um, podcast adaptation of Macbeth mm-hmm. will, will drop the fifth episode of that. It's a translation by the playwright um, Migdalia Cruz, mm. um, who is so wonderful. Um, she's done a beautiful job um, with the writing on this. That's and awesome. The cast is phenomenal. Um, the amazing, like Armando Riesco playing Macbeth and um, Sabrina Guevara playing Lady Macbeth. But then we were also incredibly fortunate to get to work with three amazing drag queens as our witches. So, oh, great. Miss um, Peppermint. Uh, Monet Exchange and Manila Luzon also star in in this series. And, oh, that's awesome. Um, Macbeth is out now. Pericles is the one coming up right after that by the beautiful playwright poet Ellen McLaughlin. And then um, we are about to begin rehearsing for Midsummer, which was nice. um, translated into modern verse English by Jeff Witte. Um, who we all know as the Tony winner behind um, the lyrics and story of Avenue Q. Yes. Um, and so his work um, on Midsummer is hilarious and beautiful. Oh my gosh, that's and, incredible. Yes, so all very exciting stuff, but just on any, wherever you get podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast, uh, you can find by searching play on podcasts, you can find um Macbeth and you'll hear me because I host all of the bonus uh, content episodes that we release every Tuesday interviews with the actors and artists and um, that's why I've got this little set up and <laughs> so happy to happy to be recording with you <laughs> I know what a dream what a dream yes. um, thank you so much for being here Taylor this has been such a lovely way to spend an afternoon yes me too and I'm so looking forward to our first in-person like friend date it's yes. gonna be awesome hannah's uh, gonna be so happy yes your, yes your <laughs> sister hannah who we work together at the neo-futurists and um who i adore hello hannah if you're listening i adore you <laughs> thank you taylor thank you so much thank you for joining me on mirepoix podcast and thank you to our house band siblings for the use of their song jars I invite you to subscribe to financially support Mirepoix directly on Anchor and to follow me on Instagram where you can receive behind the scenes content about this podcast and my own food practice. Till we feast again.